you know, we come into a service, I didn't have really a, a direction as it pertained to, you know, worship. And I, just, I mean, I, the Lord deposited something in my heart on what I'm supposed to share tonight. But I believe in our time of worship was totally orchestrated by Him. Him. Him is, is what it's all about. Him is what it's all about. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Woo! Mm. Revival and or a move of the Holy Spirit is not about the foundation of it is not about exterior manifestations although we're believing for manifestations it's not about feeling something although we love to sense his presence and if you're not cautious and, and I see I've seen this in the body of Christ that people will Go from one thing to another thing because they're trying to seek a feeling instead of just worshiping him. Instead of creating an atmosphere for him. And the mind is like, well, I want to feel something. Well, I'm so grateful that we, when we feel it. But the thing is, it's not about what we feel. Amen. It's about the word of God and that God responds to hunger. He responds To people that are seeking after him with all of their heart, all of their soul, all of their mind, of their strength. I mean, yeah, Smith Wigglesworth said, I would rather be in the presence of God than anywhere else. I'm telling you, there is no other high like the presence of God high. I'm telling you, and I've been high naturally, but I'm telling you, he is so much better. He is so much more. So I don't want to discount. Yes, we, we want to say, hey, we've been in God's presence. When you leave here, you leave a Sunday morning. I want you to I want you to say out of your heart, we experience God today. But it's not strictly about an experience or a manifestation. It's about transformation. Revival is about transformation is not about coming in and saying, Hey, we experienced God tonight. We leave the church and we come back and we go to that same place. Oh, we experienced God tonight and we leave. And then we come back in Oh, we experienced God, but yet nothing's changed in you. It's about transformation. It's about freedom. It's about fruitfulness. Revival and a move of the spirit is about fruitfulness. God is out for fruit. He's out for fullness and he's out for fulfillment. It's not just saying, hey, I experienced God. It's no, where did, what did that experience do on the inside of you? What did, if you fell out in the spirit, as as we say, what changed while you were down there? And did anything change when you got up? I mean, it's, you know, so I'm praying for you and it's like, you you know, this. No, it's like, no, did something happen on the inside of you? Did, did God actually touch your life? 
Or are we just settling for a goosebump or settling for an experience, but not pressing in to transformation or freedom? So tonight I'm, I'm talking about, I want to talk about fruitfulness. God is out for fruitfulness. Experiencing God is not just to say, hey, we experience God, but it is ultimately about bringing others to that place of experience. You know, we, we see this through scripture. I mean, Moses had an experience at a burning bush. Have you had an experience at a burning bush? You, a lot of times people have a misconception about the whole aspect of Moses' encounter with God's presence with the burning bush. Yes, it was to speak to him. Yes, it was to give direction. And that's what revival is about. An encounter with God is about him giving you direction for your future. It's about him setting your course. Why? Because he wants fulfillment in your life. And so most of the time it was like people, people will look at this aspect that God spoke to Moses for him to go, go to the children of Israel and set them free from Egypt. True. But what did Moses say when he went to Pharaoh the first time? He said, I want to take the peop, God's people out so they can come to the wilderness to worship him. So the point was Moses was having an encounter of God so he could then take the children of Israel out of Egypt and bring them to an encounter with God. And they got to the point where they just weren't having it. (laughs) So much so that they had to wait for a whole generation to die out except for two, Joshua and Caleb. Why? Because they were like, Moses, you go up to the mountain. We'll stay down here. I don't want to be that believer. Amen. I, I, I want to be, you know, a lot of times people talk about, well, we're the Joshua generation. And they'll look at that and they'll say, oh, we need to put away the old because, you know, we're a Joshua generation. But let me ask you, if you're a Joshua generation, did you do what Joshua did? Amen. See, Moses, Moses is old and Joshua's new and, and, and they look at, they, that, that's the way they perceive it. But the issue would be a Joshua generation, in my opinion, is when everyone else was in their tents and Moses was up on the mountain in Exodus 33, what do we see? Joshua was halfway up the mountain. So what makes you a Joshua to the next generation is not, are you better than Moses or Moses is, no, no, the thing is, is are you serving the God of Moses? Are you in having an encounter with the God of Moses? And so the whole point of Moses' encounter and experience with God was to bring the children of Israel to, to, the, to the same presence. The apostle Paul had an encounter on the road to Damascus. And he tells a story several times in the book of Acts. I believe it's Acts 20. He tells it again in Acts 26 to some secular leaders. And he tells them, look, I had this encounter and Jesus spoke to me and he said this, and Jesus said this to them, this is for you. So you would be a minister and a witness. That's why God encountered the apostle Paul on the road to Damascus and Acts 26. He says that you would be a minister and a witness that you would be a minister and a witness. So the whole point that we say we're in revival or we had a move of the spirit and we say we experience God. The thing is, is the whole point is so you can be a minister and a witness of it. 
a minister and a witness of the glory, a minister and a witness of the power, a minister and a witness of that freedom. Why? Because God's out for fruitfulness. He's out for fullness. He's out for fulfillment. Go to Isaiah chapter 32. If you weren't here last week, I encourage you to go back and listen to what Eric ministered. Isaiah 32. And this was the foundation of uh, where I started the first week of this. I'm not going to go through the whole, chat, the whole part about complacency. But I want to read verse uh, 14 and 15. He says, Because the palaces will be forsaken, the bustling city will be deserted, the forts and towers become lairs forever, and joy of wild donkeys and pastures of flocks. Meaning this is going to be a desolate place. This is going to be a wilderness until something happens. Until the spirit is poured upon us from on high. Meaning you're going to be desolate. You're going to be in a wilderness until the spirit is poured out. So when we talk about experiencing the presence of God, it's for this. When you are in the presence of God and experience the presence of God, it is to make desolate places fruitful. It is to make broken places mended. It is to take dry places and make them fertile places. So where the spirit is until this is going to happen until the spirit is poured out. And when the spirit is poured out, it says until the spirit is poured out upon us from one high. Now listen to this. And the wilderness becomes a fruitful field. And the fruitful field is counted as a forest. Man, there's a progression there. That's a progression. Listen to that again. It says until the spirit is poured out upon us from one high. And the wilderness becomes a fruitful place. But it doesn't stop there. It says the fruitful place becomes a forest. Wow. So it's not just to, hey, we had the spirit poured out. No, the thing, the whole point was it was to bring you from a place of wilderness to a fruitful field. But ultimately, what is he out for? A forest. A forest. I mean, there's not a whole lot of those in, from here to, to West Texas. Unless you call a field full of mesquite trees a forest, but not where I'm from. A forest? This is what the Lord's out for. The Spirit, His presence to take you from a place of wilderness to be a fruitful field and a fruitful field to be a forest. But if we're just settling for a feeling or settling for just, man, we're in the presence of God. Yes, but are you a forest yet? Is heritage of faith a fruitful field yet? Is heritage of faith a forest yet? God's out for fruit. He sent Jesus for fruit. Jesus sent us what for fruit. He sent the Holy Ghost for fruit. 
Say fruitfulness. That's what my God's out for. See, this is what a move of the spirit is about. It's for you and I to become fruitful. Not for us to say, hey, man, God, God's presence was strong, wasn't it? I'm grateful for that. Please don't get me wrong. The point is, is are we being fruitful? By the end of the summer, this place should be filled. We should have just as many people on a Wednesday night than we do a Sunday morning. Why? Because God's out for fruitfulness, not just a handful of people having an experience with him and us clapping our hands and say, hey, God showed up. No, is fruitfulness happening? Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Thank you, Father. Let's look at verse um, 5. Who then is Paul and who is Apollos? But they're ministers through whom you believed. Meaning they were just vessels. There are no superheroes in the body of Christ. Yes, we have generals in the faith. But it's not about there's one superhero and it's Jesus. Apollos, hmm. hallelujah, they're ministers whom you believed as the Lord gave to each one. I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. Hmm. Thank you, Father. Are you doing your part? I'm so glad that the Apostle Paul took it beyond the road to Damascus. And he didn't say, oh, man, that glory cloud was great. Man, Joseph, I was blind for three days. But then he goes back to Tarsus and says, man, that was a great experience I had. He goes and tells other people, you know, way back when I had a great experience. On Damascus. No, it wasn't to stop at an experience or a feeling. It was to impact the world. The encounter on the day of Pentecost wasn't just so 120, should have been 500. Wasn't just for 120 people to have say, hey, we experienced the presence of God today. No, it was about it coming out of the room, coming out of the upper room and invading the the, the city of Jerusalem to where Peter stood up and preached and 3,000 people got saved like that. Like, oh man, my, the goosebumps were so thick on, on my arms because God's presence was there. Well, praise the Lord. I'm glad. But was something changed? Did you hear his voice? Did he speak to you? Did you have a vision? Did he say something? Did what happened? What's going on? Because ultimately that encounter isn't so, Hey, you know, it wasn't like, Oh, I just want, I just, I just, I just want to touch them. Yeah. God wants to touch you, but ultimately it's something he wants to do in you. Stay in it long enough. Stay in prayer long enough until you leave with something tangible and something that's eternal that you can change someone else's life with it. 
I like when we pre-service prayer. I, I'm just, it's just, whoo, man. Oh. You see, it's about, are you doing, Paul did something with his encounter. Apollos did something with his encounter. But what happened? God gave the increase. Why did he give increase? Because he wants fruitfulness. So then neither he who plants is, is anything. not about how great you are, how great your ministry is. It's about how great he is. It's not about how great you are, how great your revelation is. It's about how great he is. And I'm talking about a false humility. The Bible says, doesn't say don't think highly of yourself. It just says don't think more highly of yourself. But I'm saying put things in proper perspective. But God who gives the increase. Now, he who plants and he who waters are one. And each one will receive his own reward according to his own labor. Now, look at the next verse. For we are God's fellow workers. Now, listen. You are God's field. You're God's field. You are God's building. According to the grace of God, which was given to me as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation and another builds on it. What is Paul saying? Paul's saying, I took my encounter and I did something with it. But I realize you, you, the church of Corinth, the body of Christ, you are God's field. I don't want to go to heaven and say, my field ended up empty. I, I don't want to end my days on the earth and go to heaven and, and look back and realize I didn't have a fruitful field or a forest. We are God's field. The question is, are we cultivating and depositing what God has planned on the inside of us when we had experiences with him? He's out for fruitfulness. He doesn't want an empty field. He doesn't want an empty building. He doesn't want a, 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 a grown over full of weeds field. He doesn't want a broken down building. He's out for fruitfulness. He's out for fruitfulness. You see, throughout the scripture, God's into gardens. God, God's into planning. I didn't say, well, he is planning, but he's planting. You know, in, uh, I have to say, I don't have the greatest green thumb. I've had a lot of plants die in my years of, <laughs> I either don't water them enough or I water them too much. It's just. But you know what? You can tell when something needs water. You see, God's into planting. He's into gardening. I mean, he, the greatest parable is all about the sower sows. What was the first thing he did as, as he made man? He said, 
he made a garden. Let's go to Genesis chapter 2. Genesis chapter 2. God's into gardening. You know, I was starting to say that, you know, Annette and I, we have some flower pots in front of our house and in the back of our house. And they're, and they're thriving. Praise the Lord. But like the other day, I looked out the back window and I saw like one of our, one of the, um, we have a basil plant and one has sage and lavender and some other things. And, and so like the, those leaves look sad. They look really sad. Sometimes it kind of looks like some of you all on a Sunday morning. And, and the thing is, the answer, the answer was water. The answer is the sunlight. The answer sometimes is pruning. You see, there's, there's different things that, that we see even through scripture that, that God talks about how to have fruitfulness. And so it was, it was awesome. I, I went out and put some water. It's amazing how this works. It's amazing how God made this work. I went out and put some water in, in the one flower. It was within an hour. Man, it was, it was all up. It was like praising the Lord. I mean, it was happy. Why? Because I had introduced it to an experience. I had introduced it to something. And what? It was, it was hey, he's saying, I'm being fruitful. I'm making Justin happy right now. He's out for fruitfulness. Let's look at Genesis chapter 2. Hallelujah. For sake of time, verse 8. It says, The Lord God planted a garden eastward in Eden, and there he put the man whom he had formed. And out of the ground the Lord God made every tree grow that is pleasant to the sight Good for food. The tree of life was also in the midst of the garden and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Verse 10, he says, now a river went out of Eden to water the garden. You see, it's interesting that God planted a garden, but he knew what the garden needed. He made provision for fruitfulness. You say, well, God made, made this garden, and, and you could have said that, hey, it, you know, it would, uh, it, God made it. It's going to live forever. But, you know, the Bible says as long as the earth remains, there's seed, time, and harvest. So we have to understand that God creating the garden, he knew how fruitfulness would happen. So therefore, he made provisions, and he said, out of, out of he, what did he say? He says, now a river went out of Eden to water the garden. I want you to know that God is always making provision for your fruitfulness. When you're in a move of the spirit and we're in revival, he's going to be doing things on the inside of you to bring fruitfulness. He's going to, he's going to, he's going to get rid of the clutter. You see, see, Jesus dealt with this. He said, the sower sows. And one fell on this type of ground. And what had happened? It said the enemy came immediately to steal the seed. 
What did he tell Adam after he put him in the garden? He goes, I want you to keep it and dress it. Sometimes we are expecting fruitfulness in our lives and just sitting back and say, well, whatever will be, will be. No, that, that didn't, that's not how it happened in the garden. No, you have a responsibility for your fruitfulness, not God. He's already provided everything. He already provided everything that, that Eden would need, but yet he still needed man to guard it and water it. The thing I want to ask you, are you guarding the revelations that God's given you? Are you protecting the things that he's sown into you? Are you protecting the word of God that's been deposited on your heart? Are you protecting the destiny? Are you protecting the visions that he's given you for your life? And it said, the next one was like the, the, the shallow was soil. And it said the sun came and it scorched it. And it didn't become fruitful. That's why you have to protect it and guard it. There's another ground that talks about the thorny ground. And what is that? That's where the cares of this life. The deceitfulness of riches, the lust of other things, what come in and they choke the word. So the thing is, is we could have an experience with God Week in and week out. But the question is, are we allowing that experience to take us to fruitfulness? Are we allowing it to take transformation? Because I'm telling you, as I was saying a minute ago, when we're in a move of the spirit in revival, it's about him speaking to your heart saying, hey, stop doing that. Get rid of that relationship. Do this. Do that. I I remember being in Thailand Oh, man. I'm not that old. Wow. Um, 20. (laughs) Yeah, you are. 23 years ago. And I remember being on the side of a mountain in this village. Um, They hadn't hadn't seen uh, um, people from the U.S. before. Um, the, 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 The chief of the village was 18 years old. And they were, we walked up there and they had just, you know, he wore like a grass type skirt. Um, they, they didn't, they didn't weren't, they weren't Buddhists. They, they worshiped, uh, ancestor worship was what you call Ammonism. And I, I remember being there and, um, it was some, it was a clear, it was a clear night when we, when we started and we had hooked up, we had brought a car battery with us to hook up to some lights so we could preach the gospel and, and we had, we had hooked that up and we, and we started preaching the gospel and it went from just a matter of five minutes. It went from starry skies, the moon out to in a minute, a wind kicked up, blew in and it started pouring. And, and I remember as we were there, we, God's presence was on that mountain. God's presence was on that mountain and we we're preaching the God. And this was some interesting stuff. This is you know, we were there and you couldn't see much because it was dark and, and we're standing here and people would come behind us and one guy is going like this and he's moving around and you had witch doctors there. There was all sorts of different stuff going on, just, just crazy stuff that we, in, in the natural, I'd never experienced up to that time. And we just start preaching the and we continue to preach the gospel as the rain's coming down and people were standing there listening. And I remember this one woman came up. And the presence of God was on her so strong. And if you looked at her and, and, you know, as a person, it was like, she was like, man, she looked to me over a hundred years old. I'm not, I'm not lying. She looked like she had been, I mean, years, I mean, just her skin, she was hunched over 
And we found out that she was only 49 years of age. And, and we're staying there and, and she received Jesus. No one in this village had ever received Jesus before. And she was considered the grandma of the village. And we're standing there, and as the Spirit of God did something and came upon the leaders, and they got revelation of something, and revelation that something had to happen. Why I'm bringing this out is because you have to understand, when you're in the presence of God, it's for transformation, is why he's out for fruitfulness. It wasn't just for that enough for that woman to, to all of a sudden accept Jesus. There was something else that had to take place. So we're looking at her and, and uh, the spirit of God comes upon one of our leaders that was with us and the Lord gave him a word of knowledge. And here, because they worship ancestor worship, they have these things what they would call spirit strings and these bands. And these were on them their whole entire life. And it's a vow. It's vows that you make. It's covenants that you make, the things you will, will do, the things you won't do. And they look at this to ward off the spirits. And, and all of a sudden, the Spirit of God came upon him and told him, said, said, the Spirit of God told me that your life won't, will continue to be idle and your life will continue to, to not progress the way it could and the way what God wants to do in this village if you don't cut that string off. Because it was bondage. And, 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 so, and so, so she, in tears... She, you got to understand, this is something that she, she was handed down to her, put on her as a child. And she let us cut it off. Because it wasn't just her being, having an encounter with Jesus on that mountainside, but also it marked the entire village. Your encounter with God and what God does in a time when the spirit of God is moving is to bring about fruitfulness. Fruitfulness. It's not just a, hey, we felt God and God was there. No, what happened? Thank you, Father. Mm. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Go to Deuteronomy chapter 30. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father, for your presence. This fruitfulness. Where does this fruitfulness? What is this fruitfulness anchored in? Without turning there, and before we read this, I'm just reminded of Jeremiah 17. And it deals with two different type of people. It deals with the cursed man first. It said, cursed is the man. That puts his trust in man. And talks goes on and talks about how that man will not be fruitful. Fruitfulness doesn't come when we are trusting within ourselves or we're trusting man. But what does it say? Blessed is the man that trusts in the Lord. 
Blessed is the man that trusts in the Lord. And it talks about that he will even have fruit even in times of heat. Even in times of drought, Tommy, it says that, that he will be fruitful. So when everything is looking like drought or, or wilderness on around you, the man or woman that trusts in the Lord. It's, it's, he goes on and also says that he won't even fear when he comes. Why? Because he's trusting in the Lord. He's trusting in the Lord. So how do we keep centered in this to be fruitful? It's staying close to him. Staying close to him. And there's a lot of directions that we could go here with that. But this is, this is what a move of the spirit and a revival is all about. It's about a people that are sticking close to him. Not trusting in man. I'm trusting in him. Because it's out of him. I experience fruitfulness. Look at Deuteronomy 30. And it's a familiar scripture. At least the first half of it is. Verse 19 says, I call heaven and earth as a witness today against you that I've set before you life and death, blessing and cursing, therefore choose life. Remember, what is the difference between cursed is the man and blessed is the man? What is, where's, the, where's the cursing like when you're trusting in man? Where's the blessing when I'm trusting in the Lord? Well, I'm staying close to him. That's trusting in the Lord is, is I'm staying hooked up with the source. Yeah. I'm staying hooked up with the source. Even while I'm preaching right now, I'm determined to stay hooked up to the source. I'm telling you, you don't want what Justin has in the natural. You want me hooked up to the source. I want you hooked up to the source. Hallelujah. Set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life that both you and your descendants may live. That you may love the Lord your God, that you may obey his voice. Now listen, and you may cling to him. Say cling. Cling. That you may cling to him. And what does it say? For he is your life. So we're out for fruitfulness. See, it was me watering that plant that caused cause the, the, the shriveled leaves to all of a sudden become vibrant leaves. Why? Because I was watering it. It's the same thing with us spiritually. When we stay close to him and we cling to him, when we cling to him, it allows, it allows revival to come and, and revival brings about fruitfulness. I don't want to be fruitless. I want fruitfulness. Cling to him for he is your life. And this word life here means flowing fresh of water. This word life here means to be green and full of vegetation. The word life here in the Hebrew means lively and active. I refuse to pastor a dead church. So therefore, we need to cling to him. Why? Because he is our life and he is the one that strengthens us. He's the one that brings green vegetation. He's the one that calls us to be fresh and flowing with water. Another definition in the Hebrew for that word, he is our life, is he's reviving. Reviving as of the springtime. 
That's what it, that's what it says here in, in, in my, my concordance says the revival as if of springtime. You know, in the winter, you know, things, there's life underneath the ground and, and things might look brown, but all of a sudden you get into springtime, all of a sudden you get what? A little bit of rain, you get a little bit of sun, you get a little bit of heat, you get a little bit of that going And What, what happens? All of a sudden things are starting to grow. Things are starting to liven up. Things are starting to be fresh and flourishing. That's what a move of the spirit is all about. A move of the spirit is about us clinging to him. Why? Because he is our life. Come in here on a Sunday morning saying, Hey Lord, I'm here to cling to you once again, because I thank you that you are the life and I'm going to experience your life. your your flowing water to today. The word life also means sustenance. It means revival and it means renewal. Cling to him. He is our life. For the sake of time, we won't turn there, but you can just make note of John chapter 15. John chapter 15. I think verse 3 starts off. He goes, you are clean because of the word that I've spoken to you. Revival. You're clean because of the word I've spoken to you. Meaning something happened when you received my word. You've been clean. You've been changed because of the word I've spoken. Tell you, when you're in revival and there's a move of the spirit going on, don't settle for just the experience. He's wanting to speak a word into you. By the Holy Spirit. And some of the greatest things can happen when you just yield your heart and allow him to speak to you. I'm telling you, there's things that I've heard. I I may have heard preaching for years and years and years on different topics, on things I actually needed. but, But at the same time, there was just five minutes in God's presence and the Holy Spirit spoke directly to my heart. All of a sudden, it was changed in a moment. But if I just settle for, hey, I experienced God. I had a goosebump tonight. No. Praise God for the, the feeling it. But no. He wants fruitfulness out of Justin. He wants fruitfulness out of us. Hallelujah. You're clean because the word I've spoken to you. Was it going and say, if you abide in me and my word abides in you, as a branch cannot bear fruit of itself, Unless, unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. Revival is about abiding in him. And if you, we keep reading, it says, my father, he wants, he's out for fruit. My father is blessed with much fruit. Is that what it says? Much fruit. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Fruitfulness. Thank you, Lord. Mm. Look at Ephesians 1. You have time for at least two scriptures. Thank you, Father. Jesus, if we abide in him. 
Let's make our encounters and our services about just connecting with him. Jesus. Jesus. There's nothing more important than him. So familiar, we could read verses 15 all the way through the end of chapter 1, but for the sake of time, I just want to look at 22, 23. And he put all things under his feet. Jesus. Jesus, he put all things under his feet. So what are you worried about? He put all things under his feet. And gave him to be the head over all things to the church. Now this is, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Wow. His body needs to be filled with all of him. That he be filled with all in all. Wow. Man. I believe we... We're tasting some of that. Where his presence fills a place in such a way. It says that his body would be filled all in all. But it's not just to say, hey, man, God's presence was there. No. It's for fruitfulness. It's about transformation. It's about freedom. Thank you, Father. Go to Ezekiel 47, and I'll close with this, I believe. Thank you, Holy Spirit. He's out for fruitfulness. Yes, Lord, I will. One of the scriptures I have to, I'll, I'll just communicate before we read this. Thank you, Father. Mark chapter 4, I believe it's verse 30. It talks about the kingdom of God as if a man were to sow a seed. And it says that seed would grow. It would grow up and it would become. God's out for fruitfulness. When he plants a seed, he's planting it because he wants a harvest. When he deposited the Holy Spirit... As a seed into the earth. When he, when he deposited Jesus into the earth. As a seed. Jesus said. Unless a seed die. It doesn't bring forth much fruit. He's out for much fruit. Jesus. The father deposited the Holy Spirit into the earth. Why? Because he wanted fruit. So here in, in Mark 4 it says. He, the kingdom of God is a man sows a seed and it grows up and it becomes and this mustard seed, which is the smallest seed, but yet it grows up and becomes a big full tree so birds of the air can come and find rest in it. See, your fruitfulness is not about how you felt God on a Wednesday night or a Sunday morning. Your fruitfulness is about being a tree that people can find shade under. 
Remember, Moses had an experience ultimately to take people to an experience. Paul had an experience so he could minister and witness what took place. So when he deposits a seed of revival and a holy, the Holy Spirit into a service or into a church, it's about fruitfulness. Why? He wants the people to grow up and become trees, a forest. Now, let's look at this, and, and hopefully you'll, you'll receive the revelation of this. Verse 12, for the sake of time. It says, along the bank of the river, river, on this side and that, now get this, will grow all kind of trees. Remember, it's on the bank of a river. If you look throughout this, it talks about a river that flows from the very throne room of God. And it goes out from the, 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 the doors of the, of the tabernacle. It comes down and it says that the waters would be one that were ankle deep and then knee deep. And then, 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 then rivers you could swim in, right? I don't have time to, to communicate all that tonight. But he says along the bank of the river, you see where the river is, life is. If the river of God is not in a church, the church will become dead. Along the bank of the river on this side and that will grow all kinds of trees used for food. Now listen to this. And their leaves will not wither and their fruit will not fail. I think it's when the presence of God, the river of God is there, it's going to produce all kinds of trees. I want you to see this. Hey, you're a tree. 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 When the river is producing all kinds of trees. The thing is, is I, I don't want to stay as a, as a little a shrub plant. I don't want to just stay as, as just like a, a, a little bit bigger. No, I want to be the tree that's making an impact. So this tree, it says it's used for food. Meaning that you're a resource to someone else. Their leaves will not wither and their fruit will not fail. Now listen to this. They will. Now they will. They will bear fruit. Now this every month. Now listen, because the water from the sanctuary. Woo. <laughs> they will bear fruit every month because their water flows from the sanctuary. Now this is, and their fruit will be for food and their leaves for medicine. <laughs> so get this, the river that's coming from the sanctuary is not to say, Hey, the river of God is here. No, it's for food and for medicine. <laughs> You're not seeing it. It, it. The river is for food and it's for medicine. The leaves are for medicine. Woo. I mean, you got medicine in your leaves. You got, you got fruit in your tree. You got, you got healing properties on the inside of you because of what, what revival does and what a move of the spirit does. Woo. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. And he just told me I'm done. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. See, this is something that 
I'm teaching right now by the Holy Spirit. But you have to catch it. Do you receive this? So when you hear the word revival or move of the Spirit, don't think of just the outward manifestations. No, think, ah, fruitfulness. Fruitfulness. Say, I'm becoming fruitful. Because of the water that comes from heaven. Say, thank you, Lord, for the water. Thank you for causing me to be fruitful. Thank you for causing us to be counted as a forest. In Jesus' name. Can you give him praise? Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Praise you, Father. Joseph, come on up. Woo. Hallelujah. That was good. Thank you, Jesus. That was good. Hallelujah. Mm. I, I'm, I'm excited about what, what's happening. Yes. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father.